Thanks for tuning in to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that you're blessed and encouraged to walk out the gospel as you listen to this message. Hey, good morning. So, so good to be here. My name is Jeremy Williamson, and I just I have the honor to be a part of the speaking team here at Hope. And um, man, can we start off as we kind of get into the word? Can we start off? Can we pray one more time? God, we are... Uh, we're so hungry for you. We're so hungry for you, God. And, and this morning and every morning, God, we arise, God, and we say that we need you. Oh, God, how we need you. So, Lord, I, I invite you to come. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. God, I pray that you change our lives. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us and say what you want to say this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I have been uh, noticing, as I'm sure that you have in church, around our community, around the world, that there is a hunger for God. Uh, There is a hunger for the things of God. There's a desperation for God that is rising up in the church and among God's people, and I'm not surprised. I, I love today being Palm Sunday, and uh, Josh has uh, such a beautiful picture, and I'm glad that he took us there, this idea of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey's coal, and, and the people lining the streets saying, save us, Jesus, save us. Wouldn't it be incredible to be able to be a part of that community? How much do we wish that Jesus would ride into Springfield today and that we could line the streets and say, Jesus, come and save us. I, uh, this past week, all of us were aware of um, the tragedy that took place in Tennessee, that Christian school. And uh, most of you are aware of what happened here in our own community that very next day. I am just going about my day and get a text message from my daughter who goes to Ozark High School and uh, she, she messages my wife and I, and, and she says, Dad, I think there's a shooter in our school. We just went into, like, code red lockdown, which they've never actually done that. We had code red lockdown. And so I start texting her, like, okay, so do you know where the exit is? And she's texting back. And she's like, yeah. She goes, I think it's fine. I don't know if it's real. And then they're, the teacher is starting to look nervous, and they barricade the door. The kids, they stack their desks against the door in her classroom, and they're they hear the policemen, and they've got their assault rifles, and they're coming, and they're doing all the things that they do. And, and we know that at the end of this, it turned out to be a hoax. But I just, those moments that about 45 minutes or an hour where I'm like madly like texting my daughter, and she's texting us back, and she's scared, and they're thinking about how they're going to escape, and, and they're hiding, and the lights are off. And I just want to say, Hosanna, Jesus, would you come and save us? Like, enough is enough. Jesus, we need you. And, and this morning, I, whether it's a hoax or not, it has too many times not been a hoax. And I can't believe, like, the Columbine happened when I was a high school student. And it seemed like since that time, over and over again, our hearts have been both broken by the tragedy that we are living in today. And I find myself saying, like... <clears throat> The psalmist said in Psalm 63, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. 
Psalm 84, my soul longs, yes, my soul faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Again, in Psalm 42, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with a throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. And with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. So why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, my salvation and my God. And, And... So we are, as a church, and it seems like the church around the world, we are pressing in and we're saying, God, oh God of miracles, oh God who heals, oh God who saves, oh God who is the only answer for mankind today. Lord, would you come and would you move? Lord, would you come and would you set us free? And yet it seems like, I don't know how you feel, but to me it seems like each day continues to grow darker and darker. And and while we continue to have hope and while we're seeing miracles and people healed, there's something about the world that seems um, to be growing darker and darker still. And so today I feel the Lord inviting us just to remember where we're at as we celebrate this Palm Sunday and as we prepare ourselves to celebrate this momentous, like this incredible moment of the resurrection of Jesus next Sunday. I, I, I wanted to just take a moment and invite us to reorient ourselves. Where are we again in this story because we're celebrating Palm Sunday. That was like 2,000 years ago. Jesus' Jesus's resurrection was a really long time ago. What's happening today? And so I want us to take a moment and, and, and begin by just reminding you that there is actually only one story in the universe. We woke up today and we all got ready and we came to church today and we are a part of one single story that has been told from the very beginning of time. It is just one story and we find ourselves in that story today. Thousands of years ago in this beautiful garden that God had planted, we can read about it in the book of Genesis, this beautiful garden that God had planted, God had designed um, this place for us to be with him and and. Uh, In Genesis chapter 3, everything falls apart. And sin enters the world and death and disease. And and not too much later, God approaches a man named Abram. And he says, hey, Abram, listen, um, I've got a job for you. Because hundreds of years ago, this thing happened in the garden, and, and you have firsthand experienced your ancestor Noah was a part of all of this, and, and, and you have firsthand experienced, Abram, the death that is now a part of planet Earth. That's actually not my plan. I've got a plan, Abram, and um, you're up. And so in Genesis chapter 12, God says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And here's your job. I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And to him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. I was, uh, I'm a West Coast kid. I grew up in Oregon, and uh, so we're 
big track state. I had to use green for ducks, go ducks. Um, not in basketball, but in track. And, um, and so I, I grew up in a total track town, was, was ran track my whole life. I'm, I'm proud of my kiddos. They've, they've, uh, they're running track too. And one of the things I loved was running races, was, was doing the relays. And uh, so fun how, like, you would, you usually four people in a relay, and the first person starts, and then they hand the baton off to the next person, they hand off the baton to the next person. And, and in this, we hear God saying, okay, Abraham, Abraham, I'm not going to say all of this to you right now because you probably wouldn't understand it, but I'm, I'm going to hand this baton to you, and this is what I need you to do because I'm going to use your family, your son Isaac and your grandson Jacob, and you guys are going to establish a people on planet Earth through whom I can send my son. And through you, we are going to establish a people because I've got this plan, and I'm bringing redemption to mankind. And so, Abraham, it's your turn to go. I'm, I'm going to reintroduce myself to my children who don't know me anymore. And you're going to lay the foundation. You're going to lay the foundation as the first runners in this race. So Abraham and his son Isaac and and his son Jacob, they run the race. And then eventually the baton is passed to this man who lived in the desert named Moses. And Moses takes the baton and his job is to rescue God's people out of slavery. This nation that God had designed to rescue them out of Egypt and begin the trek to the land that God had promised them. And Moses, he runs his race and, and, and through Moses, God demonstrates his incredible love and his patience. And he defines through the writing of the law our desperate need for God. And Moses, he, he runs his race and he hands the baton to Joshua and Joshua Joshua takes the Israel into the promised land and years of conquest and conquering. And Joshua builds a nation through which healing would come to all nations. And then Joshua, at the end of his life, he hands off the baton to people like Barak and Samson and Jephthah and Othniel and Deborah, the judges who lead and they are the guardians of Israel. They're the guardians of this nation through a dark and chaotic time. And those prophets, their time ends and they pass the baton to the kings, or the judges, they pass the baton to the kings, the priests and the prophets. And they guide Israel through these incredible trials and see this nation established. And then the prophets begin to whisper, oh, someone's coming. Something's about to happen. Emmanuel is almost here. And we read about these people, Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah and Daniel, these incredible men and women who gave their lives. And the writer of Hebrews does such a good job of describing how these people lived. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, he says, How much more do I need to say? I mean, it would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people, they overthrew kingdoms, they ruled with justice, and they received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back from dead, from the death, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, their backs were cut open with whips, others were chained in prisons, 
Some died by stoning, some were sawed in half, and others were killed by the sword. Some went about wearing sheeps of skin and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good, thank you so much, they were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. And I grew up in church thinking, man, these guys were awesome. How amazing to be like Daniel or to be Samson. And I'm like imagining him ripping the lion's jaws open. Sorry, that's kind of graphic, but that's just what I imagine. And like <clears throat> how, how amazing to be these people in Jonah and, oh my goodness, and, and to stand before kings, to stand before kings and to proclaim judgment, to proclaim blessing. How amazing would it have been to see God move like that? And so we read something like this in Hebrews 11 and we're like, Wow. And then the last prophet was a man named John who lived in the wilderness and ate locusts. And he preached to the coming of the kingdom of God. And unfortunately, John didn't, leave to see the day, didn't live to see the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem victoriously on a donkey. Because he had ended his race and passed the baton at Jesus. And Jesus, he takes that baton as we celebrate this week and he races across the finish line. And if I, if I was the author of this story, remember, this is the only story. If I was the author of this story, I'd say, okay, Easter Sunday, Jesus raises from, is risen from the dead. We kill the devil or whatever, throw him into hell, and it's over. But that's not what happened. Jesus wasn't actually the last runner in the race. From the very beginning. I'll tell you, I would hate to play chess against God. (laughs) Honestly. Because here's the enemy thinking, ha! Look how I corrupted your people. Look how I brought death to your people. Your children in whom you invested the imprint of your glory. Look how I ruined everything. And God's like, just wait. I'm actually going to use them to ruin you. You see, Jesus wasn't the last runner in the race. Hebrews chapter 11, going back to right where we left off from reading. He said, all these people earned a good reputation, meaning Daniel and all of the people who have gone before us. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us. So that they would not reach perfection without us. You see, God's plan from the very beginning of time, from the garden, when he looked at Adam and said, what have you done? And he got fire in his eyes. He, his plan all along has been to hand the baton off to you. His plan all along has been that you would take this and that you would be the last runner in the race. Jesus even said, it's better that I go because when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And guess what? We're not talking about workers anymore. We're not talking about good people who have some faith and every now and then the Holy Spirit comes on them to do something great. No, no, no. We're talking about sons and daughters now. And Jesus said, when I go, I've got sons and daughters now who are full of the Holy Spirit. And he looks at you and I in the eye and he says, now go and make disciples of all nations. He said, go and heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse those with leprosy and cast out demons. 
And so today, actually, as we celebrate Jesus, and next Sunday, as we celebrate Jesus, may we celebrate him knowing that that story is still being told. I want you to imagine with me, we're standing in a big stadium. Growing up in Oregon and being in track, when I made it to state, the state competition a couple times, I would always be in Eugene at Autzen Stadium. And this massive, it was the birthplace of Nike and just legendary track place, massive stadium full of thousands of people cheering. I, had, I couldn't even find my family in the stands if I wanted to. There were so many people. Imagine that that's us. Hebrews 12.1, the very next verse from what we said, says, so then since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses all around us, There's Abraham, there's Moses. I don't know theologically, I don't know if they could actually see us, but I love the picture that's painted here. Since we're surrounded by so many people who have gone before us. Everyone who ran before you is watching now, eager to see how this race is going to end. And this is what I heard the Spirit of God say about this moment. The runners have run. The early church, the martyrs, those who have led the fathers of our faith, they've led us up until today. And I heard the Spirit of God say, so where are you? This is it. Like this is the moment. This is the culmination of the story. We save the fastest runners for last is what happens in a relay. And I hear God saying, great. Where are you? Where are we? History is culminating in this moment. Where are we? I have to tell you that evil is operating at its full capacity to distract you, to discourage you, to diminish you, because he is aware that there has never been a time before the last 2,000 years where the world was full of the sons and daughters of God, who are full of the fullness of the Holy Spirit, who have the ability to do, Jesus said, even more than he did. And so the question is, where are we? And I'm not just trying to pump us up this morning. Honestly, I've wept over this because I so much are underst- we are understanding that we live in the darkest, at times that are darker than I could have imagined. And the promise is not complete without you and I as sons and daughters. And as Romans 8 says, the creation has been groaning for the sons and daughters to be revealed. And so evil is working against us now more than ever before. And I believe many of us, for some of you, your minds may be just exploding a little bit. I, some of us are distracted. I just I want to be honest that the phone that's in your purse or your pocket, I'm not here to preach about phone. My phone is sitting over on the chair over there. Like, that machine has been designed to keep our attention. And most of us will give it years of our lives. I'm a, I'm a counselor and I work with a lot of pastors and missionaries. And 
I cannot tell you how many pastors I talk to on a weekly basis who say, Jeremy, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I haven't read my Bible in years. I stopped praying a long time ago. But my screen time, check out my screen time. And I don't say that in a condescending or in a way to bring condemnation at all, but the enemy knows that he can distract us on this little screen that was designed to keep our attention for hours and hours and hours. Some of us have taken our responsibility to bring forth the kingdom of God and we've outsourced it to the politicians. And, and that's not to say that we shouldn't vote or that we shouldn't get involved, but I want to just remind you the kingdom of heaven comes through you. The baton is in your hand. It's in your hand. And I'm sorry, this morning, I'm, getting, I'm, just, I'm not trying to be mean or harsh or anything like that, but I just feel like this call to repentance today. I genuinely do. And, and, and here's the thing is we, we have been surrounded by a culture that wants to just make us comfortable and hypnotized and safe and trust other people to do the work and trust other. And we're just distracted. Just look at the shiny screen while everyone else kind of lives your life and does the thing for you. We have even a generation of us church leaders have been taught that Sunday morning is where people get saved, that people come to church to get saved, that it's his job their jobs to do the saving and our job is is to enjoy life and to invite people to church and i am so grateful i am so grateful for the the people who were baptized here on wednesday night how powerful was that and i can't wait until you and i start baptizing our friends at table rock when we're on a boat day and we're just doing the thing and being sons and daughters of god i just wonder how distracted we are, and and I wonder how the kingdom of God will be different because we existed. Some of us are are discouraged. You love Jesus, and yet you're waiting for something. You're waiting for the big assignment or the big moment, or maybe you feel ashamed, you feel disqualified. There's some of you who perhaps years ago God whispered something in your heart. Something you thought you'd be doing for him. And today you're just waiting for a breakthrough or waiting for that to somehow be true. I'm reminded in Exodus chapter 14 how Moses and the Israelites were pinned between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army. And they cry out to God and they're like, God, it wasn't supposed to be this way. Lord, I thought I wanted to see you move in my day. God, we thought that we were going to see you do great things. I thought you called me to do this. I hoped you called me to do that. But today I'm discouraged. There's death on that side and there's death on that side. And so, Lord, I don't know what to do when we're crying out to God. And that's what Moses is doing in Exodus chapter 14. And so God gives them all of these encouraging words. And he says, I'm with you. Don't worry. I've got you. And then they keep crying out and keep crying out. And finally God says, okay, stop. Like Moses, why do you keep crying out to me? Get up and stretch your staff over the sea and get moving. And some of you need to hear this, that you will never be more of a son or a daughter than you are today. 
that some of you who have been, and I believe in timing, I believe in waiting for the moment of the promise, I believe in, in, in the timing of God, but some of us have been living lives because we've been discouraged and we've, waiting, we've been waiting for something to happen, and I just hear God saying to us, it is time to get up and to move and to run, it's time to take the staff and to stretch it over the Red Sea, because God has something for you, and it's time, like God said to Moses, to stop praying and get moving. Can't believe we're allowed to say that in church, but God said it, so we're going to say it. So some of us are distracted, and some of us in this race, we have been discouraged. And many of us are diminished because of our sin. Josh brought us here last week. As many of us came up to the front uh, to confess our sin. And I'll tell you, our city, our church, our nation is asking for a move of God. We're so hungry. We want to see miracles. Every move of God is marked by profound waves of repentance. It's true. When I first came to Jesus as a little kid, I was six years old, six or seven years old, and they preached, uh, I forget the name of the guy who was preaching, and he was an evangelist, and I remember coming down front, and I was wrecked. I don't even know what, I was a six-year-old, what does a six-year-old do? I don't know what I was wrecked about. I don't know if I like hit my brother, proud definitely hit my brother, I don't know. But whatever it was, I came down front, and I was, as I was touched by the Spirit of God and called to salvation, I was wrecked by my sin. I remember the tears streaming down my face, and I remember how sweet grace felt to me when I received it. It makes me think of Isaiah chapter 6 when Isaiah says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And he paints this brilliant picture of what he sees and eventually says, Oh my gosh, woe is me, for I'm, I am lost. And I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the glory of the King, the Lord of hosts. When we see God, and I know it is so good that we're asking for miracles, and it is so good that we're asking for healing. And I just want to say that when the glory of God does move in, when the Spirit of God is poured out, there are waves of grief and repentance, not only over our own sin, but over the sin of our nation, over the sin of our land. When I was growing up, I, I grew up also in a move of God, and, and I, I remember being 15, 16 years old, just sitting at the altar in my youth group, and the, the altar surrounded by me and my friends, weeping and mourning for the sin of our high schools, and the sin of our city, and the sin of our land. And this is not something that I can manufacture through a sermon. I just want to say, God... Would you, would you lead us to a place of grief over our sin and over the sin of our land? Over the sin that is taking hold on our watch? Jesus, our high schools, our middle schools, our Junior highs and elementary schools, Lord, our kids are afraid to go to school. Our world is confused and dark. 
God, would you break our hearts over our sin? Hebrews 12, where it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Can I just invite you this morning with me? Can we pause in a moment of honesty? It's our turn. And I, I don't know, I'm not here to, to, to bring condemnation at all. Like we are the sons and daughters of God and I hear God saying, so where are we? We've been distracted. I believe that we've been diminished by our sin. I believe that some of us have been discouraged. And this actually is the last leg of the race. And so can I just invite all of us to say, God, I realize it's my turn. And I realize, God, that you've called me to more than this. And Lord, I realize that you have saved the best runners for last. And so God, would you allow us as sons and daughters to lean into what it is that you're saying and what you're doing. So Josh has, Pastor Josh and the team here, they've called us to a fast over the next three days. And um, as a part of that fast, I, I would love to just in invite us to consider these questions. Lord, where, where, as it's my turn to run this race, where have I allowed myself to be distracted? Where have I allowed um, your glory in me to be diminished? Where, God, have I found myself um, standing on the track when it's time for me to run? So, what I, Tyler, I'd love to invite you to come. And, and I, could, would you stand with me this morning? I, There is, there is one story that's being told on planet Earth today. Just one. And it's your turn. Moses is gone. Abraham's gone. Daniel's gone. Paul and Peter and James. They're gone. Jesus He's in heaven. It's you. It's you. Do you believe that? I, if you believe that, would you just say, it's me. It's me. It's me. And how crazy to think 
that everything that we get to read about in the Bible, that all of the miracles and all of the goodness and people being raised from the dead and people being saved, how crazy to think that all of that is going to pale in comparison to what you and I can see with our own eyes. It's me. And I want it to be me. And, and Jesus, as much as we need you to come in and ride on a donkey into Springfield today, I'm aware, Jesus, that you don't need to come in on a donkey into Springfield because you've sent me. So I want to invite you to take a moment and say, God, show me. Lord, open my eyes and show me where I've been distracted. God, would you open my eyes? <clears throat> Let me see, God, how my sin Lord, the secrets have caused me to be, and the goodness that you want to flow through me have caused that to be diminished. Lord, I've been discouraged. I've been anxious and depressed and lost, and I've forgotten that I'm a son of God. I'm standing on the track in the stadium, surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and I don't know what to do. God, would you show us, Lord, how standing here with the baton in our hands, Lord, we have, we have not yet taken, Lord, the fullness or received the fullness of what you have promised for us. And some of us need to delete apps on our phones. And some of us need to ask God to break our hearts over the next days through fasting. And some of us need to repent and cry out. God, have mercy on us. God, have mercy on your sons and daughters. So we've been playing We've been distracted. We've been dabbling in sin. And all the while, people are dying. And evil feels like it's winning. There's this old song that, I say old song, it's not that old, but it was back in the 1900s. Um, we used to sing when I was younger, break our hearts, oh God, break our hearts. For the sin in our lives, break our hearts. For the sin in our land, break our hearts. We cry out, we need your help. Lord, come back to our land. We confess we've lived in sin. Lord, please come and show your power once again. God, if the baton is still in my hand, God, would you give me another shot? God, if the baton is still in my hand, I'm sorry for the ways that I've sinned. I'm sorry for the hours I've spent distracted. I don't even know what this means, but I just want to live as a son now. I just want to step up and do what you've invited me to do now and run my race so that maybe, maybe the kingdom of God can come to earth as it is in heaven through me. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I pray, God, in this room, in this moment, Holy Spirit, would you speak so clearly? to these sons and daughters, these ones whom you love and have never stopped loving. God, would you break our hearts, Lord, for the ways that we've sinned, for the ways, God, that we've been distracted. Lord, would you lead us out of the discouragement that has paralyzed us. God, I pray that every son and every daughter in this room today would hear your voice and that we would have hearts to respond to what you're saying to us, oh God. 
God, may we hear you whisper to us that a time has almost come, that it's almost finished. As the word of the Lord came forth last week, it's almost time. God, bring us back, I pray, to you. Help us to refocus, Lord, and recenter ourselves on what it is that you've called us to do. Jesus. I want to invite you to listen. Some of you, welcome to Hope Church. Some of you, this may be so uh, different for you to, to be involved in a service like this. I just want to invite you to listen. What is he saying to you? Where is he putting, where is he drawing attention to your sin or your distraction, your discouragement? Jesus. Jesus, have mercy, oh God. Have mercy, oh God. Have mercy, oh God. If that's you this morning, if you're feeling like God is speaking something to you, if there's sin, if there is discouragement, if there is distraction, and and you hear God's voice calling you out, I just want to invite you maybe to raise your hand with me. My hand is up high. God, you see your sons and daughters. Thank you that you've never stopped looking upon us with love. Lord, thank you that you have never stopped loving us. And God, this morning we hear you calling us back. Lord, we hear you calling us forward. We hear you looking in us, Lord, at us in our eyes, with fire in your eyes, telling us to run. So Lord, we confess our sin God, we confess our lust. We confess our pride. Lord, we confess our secrets to you, God. We confess our greed. God, we confess our anger. Lord, we confess the sin that has kept us bound. We confess that we've been distracted, oh God. That we have outsourced our faith to the pastors and the politicians. Lord, that we have outsourced our faith and our relationship with you. God, we confess, Lord, we've been discouraged. Thank you, Lord, that repair with you is easy. Lord, thank you that grace is so close. Have mercy on us, O oh God. And Lord, I pray that every man and every woman in this room this morning would feel the feeling of the baton in their hand. God, and that we would take our place. God, that we would run, that we would play our part, stepping away from sin, stepping away from distraction and discouragement toward you. We love you. Grateful to be yours. We're grateful to be yours. In Jesus' great name we pray. Amen. Church, 
feel like we've got some time. I feel like some of you may want to just linger. Some of you have got speaking to you. There's something that you need to pray about or repent of. My prayer for you, son, daughter, is that this week, over the next three days as we fast together, that uh, we would all continue to allow God to break our hearts and to bring us back and to refocus um, on who he's called us to be and our place in this great story. Amen? Amen. 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 God bless you. You're dismissed.